Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for our consideration this morning is found in our second lesson, James 5, verses 7 through 11, as printed in your bulletin and already read. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, one of the things about our modern system of medicine, thing that is both a blessing and a curse, is we have advanced so far that it seems like there is a treatment for everything. It's hard to watch TV these days without encountering a, a two-minute commercial for a drug that treats some condition that you've never even heard of. And so it's easy to start thinking that there's, there's got to be a medicine or a procedure for just about anything you have heard of or that you yourself might have. But there are still many things that we don't have treatments for. And many of the things that we do have ways to treat are, are not exactly eliminated by those treatments. A certain type of cancer, for instance, may be managed effectively by chemotherapy and drugs. But the doctor will still tell you that, statistically speaking, eventually that cancer will be back and there'll be nothing they can do about it. Or your physician may give you all the medical assistance you need to keep your diabetes under control, but you still have an obligation to change and maintain your diet, or else all the drugs and shots in the world won't do you any good. And of course, there's the matter of time. We have yet to advance to the point in medicine where a doctor can point some kind of machine at an infection an injured limb or a, a malfunctioning organ, and have it healed instantaneously. Instead, you have to take days, weeks, or even months' worth of antibiotics to wipe out the infection. You have to keep the cast on for many days with, for the bone to heal, and after that, maybe have months of physical therapy. And it may take years for that internal problem that developed over decades to be corrected through medication and lifestyle changes. And so what doctors often end up prescribing alongside various drugs or treatments is something that their patients least want to hear about and is often in very short supply. They prescribe patience. Healing recovery or just better days may be coming, but it is going to take time to get there. And there may still be suffering until then, so they need to be patient while they wait. The Holy Spirit has James speak as a doctor of souls here in chapter 5 of his letter. He's writing to people who are waiting for healing and, and restoration who are anxious about their situations, who want quicker fixes, not only for what might be wrong with them, but especially for what they see wrong with other people. In other words, James is writing to us just as much as he was writing to his original first century audience. And we need to hear what he has to say, not just later, but right now. His prescription for our worries, wounds, and whining is something that we would rather not admit we need, but we do. Patience. 
Now, the first condition that James addresses here, we might call a vision problem. It's the frustration and anxiety that comes from waiting for Christ to come, but not seeing the signs of that coming in our lives or world. This is a problem that was very familiar to Old Testament believers. They would hear, read, or remember prophecies like the ones in our first reading today from from Isaiah 35, and they would wonder why God was taking so long to fulfill His promises to His people. It wasn't just years that they had to wait, but centuries with lots of hardships and setbacks along the way. They longed not only for the salvation from sin and death that the Messiah would bring, but also simply for peace and for justice to be done against their enemies. The very things that the prophecies promised were the things that they wanted to see, but they could not see them. Some grew impatient and gave up on God, but even the faithful found themselves asking, When, Lord? When? Now we know the answer to that course. When the time had fully come, God sent His Son Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem, to be our Savior and King. The first Christmas came and went largely unnoticed by God's people, but when Jesus grew up, He got their attention. He showed Himself to be everything God had promised through the prophets but few recognized Him as they should have, and even fewer realized what that should mean. But when Christ's time had fully come, after only about three and a half years of ministering among His people, His enemies arrested Him, falsely convicted Him, sentenced Him to death, and had Him led away to torture, abuse, and crucifixion. At any point, He could have resisted, fought back, even destroyed them. But he submitted to suffering and even to death because that was what he had come for. God had promised a Savior who would pay the price for all the world's sins and by shedding his blood on the cross, as he did, he served as our substitute, taking all our sins from us and giving us his perfect righteousness. It was precisely what was prophesied and exactly what all people needed. The long, long years of patient waiting for a Messiah were worth it. The world got forgiveness for all sins, the defeat of death and the devil, and eternal life in heaven. James's first readers knew and believed that, as we know and believe it. But just as God's Old Testament people had to wait for a Savior when they didn't know when He was actually coming, so we have to wait for Christ's second coming when He will return to our world to judge the nations, to to make all things new, and to take those who trust in Him home with Him forever. But the waiting is rarely easy. Jesus promised And Scripture tells us this in numerous places, that He is coming soon. But almost 2,000 years have passed 
and he's not here yet. In the meantime, we see evil and godlessness running rampant in the world, threatening us and Christ's church more each and every day. We see the wicked getting ahead and the righteous getting taken advantage of. We see people in desperate need of the gospel who have no interest in hearing it, only in satisfying the desires of their flesh. We look at ourselves, and we are frustrated by our frailties and our failings and by the fruits of faith that Jesus looks for that we have not produced. We see problems and pain everywhere in our lives and in the world. What we don't see is Jesus coming. So James tells us simply and directly, be patient. Be patient. You can be confident that the Lord is really coming to make all things right and to take us home. It's not just that we can and should trust His promises and that God has shown that He keeps every promise. It's also that our faith in Christ gives us the ability to look beyond what we see now and see what will be. James uses the example of a farmer after he has planted his seeds, but before they have sprung up and started showing that that they will be a good and productive crop. This farmer is not only waiting to see them grown, he is waiting for the rains to come that they need in order to grow and flourish. But he knows those rains will come even though in the meantime the skies are cloudless, the sun is hot, and the ground is hard. He is able to wait patiently because his confidence allows him to look beyond what he sees today to what will be tomorrow. And so it is with us and our faith in Jesus and in all of God's promises. With all He has told us in the Bible, He has allowed us to look beyond the troubles that we see today and to know what will be tomorrow. And we know that it will be wonderful for us and for all believers. And so with the Gospel as the power and the encouragement we need, we can strengthen our hearts and be patient knowing that the coming of the Lord is near, as near as it needs to be. Now, the second condition that Dr. James addresses is not so much about what we are looking for as it is about who we are looking at. He tells us not to complain about each other, about our brothers and sisters in faith and warns us that judging them might lead to being judged ourselves by Jesus, the judge, who is so close, he's standing at the door. But why would we complain about other people? Well, one thing, it's a lot more comfortable for us to find fault with them than it is to take a good look at ourselves and consider our own faults. But even when we have what might be called legitimate frustrations with other people's frailties and failings. The problem is is that we are looking for something that we are never going to find. We are looking for perfection in other human beings. And whether it's a spouse or a parent 
a friend or a co-worker, a fellow church member or a politician. We are always going to have to deal with disappointments, with broken commitments and shattered relationships, with, with bad habits, bad language, and bad behavior from other people. Because they are sinners just as we are. And if we start focusing on how they deserve to get what's coming to them for the things that they have done wrong, well, then that means that it's only right that we also deserve to get what's coming to us for the things that we have done. And we don't want that because we know what we deserve. Because of our sin, we deserve death and hell. What we want Instead, is the eternal life in heaven that Jesus came to win for us. And so we want to focus on Jesus, our Savior, not to end up fearing His coming as judge. So we bear with our brothers and sisters and all of their faults and failures. They are waiting for perfection in heaven just as we are. And so the prescription is just the same. Be patient. Be patient with your brothers and sisters and wait for the Lord's coming. The final condition that James addresses as a doctor of souls is in some respects the most serious of all because it involves suffering that only death or Christ's return can put an end to. It's a condition that we have not in spite of following Jesus, but precisely because we do. We do not fit in this world. And this world doesn't want us. Because through faith, the Spirit has made us saints. And the world is sinful, ruled by Satan. So because we stand out, because we are different, because we are good in a world that is evil, we will be persecuted, taunted, left out, abused, mocked, and more. Just as they mistreated Jesus, our Master, they mistreat us, His disciples. So until Christ returns, when all that misery and suffering will be done and gone for good, there is much to endure. Even things that are not coming from the world per se, things that are just because we live in a sinful world and have a sinful flesh. And yet still we are encouraged to be steadfast, to endure, to persevere. And the way to do that is to look beyond it all and see through to the blessings that God has in store for us at the end. And that's what the example of the saints who have gone before us teaches us. James mentions the prophets, almost all of whom endured all types of rejection and abuse, not in spite of the fact that they spoke God's word to their people, but because they did. And he also reminds us of Job and his patient endurance, his steadfastness in the face of immeasurable misery and anything but steadfast friends. But the greatest example of endurance through suffering because of the blessing that lies beyond well, that we have in Christ Himself. The writer to the Hebrews spells it out for us. 
Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus, who for the joy set before him, the joy of achieving his mission of saving all people, he went to the cross. And he took a long time getting there through much suffering, toil, and trouble. He understood and he saw how it would all end in blessing for sinners. Why? Because God is compassionate and merciful. For the same reason, God's great compassion and mercy, we endure the pains and toils and troubles of our lives here on earth, this side of heaven. This is a beautiful little presentation for us in James of the theology of the cross. A reminder that God does not allow us to suffer for no reason or with no purpose. He is compassionate and merciful. And He has the purpose, through it all, of blessing us. So James instructs you, in every season of suffering, to recognize the blessing beyond or sometimes even in your troubles. Because you know God is compassionate and merciful. And because of that, you pick up your blessed cross and you carry it boldly, confidently, until Christ comes. The prescription for God's people in this, as in all things, is patience. And this is something that even the greatest among us need. We need this encouragement, as we heard in, in Isaiah, that to strengthen the weak hands, make the shaky knees steady. Tell those who have a fearful heart, be strong, do not be afraid. Look, your God will come. We saw in our Gospel an example of this. John the Baptist needed patience. He needed to be encouraged to have a stronger heart, stronger faith. He had been thrown in prison for doing and saying all the right things. And as he languished there in prison, he began to wonder, is this Jesus really the one that I'm supposed to wait for? I was expecting something bigger. I wasn't expecting to languish in prison while he's out there preaching. What's the prescription for his worries? It's the same as for all of us. Look to Jesus. That's what Jesus himself said. This is the message you are to take back to John. Look at me. Look at what I am doing. Look at how everything I am doing is fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament, the prophecies of the Messiah, your Savior. I am He. And what I am showing is exactly what you need to remember. That the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He keeps His promises to His people. That's what we need to remember. That's the prescription for us, no matter what we might be going through, no matter how hard it is to wait for the Lord's return, no matter how frustrated we might be at the imperfections we see in ourselves, in other people, or in our world. 
strengthen your hearts because the coming of the Lord is near. Be patient. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.